BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. President Biden announced something that he thinks will help alleviate the pain at the pump Americans are feeling right now. I fully understand that a gas tax holiday alone is not going to fix the problem, but it will provide families some immediate relief Just a little bit of breathing room as we continue working to bring down prices for the long haul. Yes, even in the announcement, President Biden recognized that this will not make a massive dent in what people are paying. But as he said, it's something. And that something is 18.4 cents per gallon for three months through September in an effort to alleviate the impact of soaring gas prices on all Americans. According to the White House, that 18 cents a gallon is going to cost the federal government about $10 billion. And keep in mind that the Highway Trust Fund, which finances most federal government spending for highways and mass transit, is funded by the gas tax. So a three-month gas tax holiday is going to deprive it of about a quarter of its entire annual funds, again, about $10 billion. And to put that in perspective, that's about two-thirds of an aircraft carrier. But we don't spend gas tax money on aircraft carriers. Or when it comes to major bridges, to kind of quantify it that way. I know in my home area, we have a $500 million bridge that's three miles long. We have another bridge near Mobile that's looking at a price tag of about 2 to $3 billion. That bridge is also several miles long. So $10 billion equates to somewhere in the vicinity of 20 or so maybe bridges, depending on length, that just won't get built now. So that's the cost. What's the benefit? Well, if you fill up your car once a week and you put 15 gallons in the tank, and of course, some are going to be more and some are going to be less, but just to take an example, 18.4 cents a gallon will save you $2.76 a week. And if you multiply that out over three months, $35.88. So the question is, do you think the trade-off of 10 or 20 major bridge projects across the United States for $35 per driver, does that seem like a good trade to you? And this sort of illustrates the way federal dollars get acquired and then, of course, how they get spent. The point is that each individual person pays a fairly small amount of money. And in the aggregate, over 330 million citizens, it's a large amount of money that then funds all these big projects that nobody else can afford to do. What's interesting about this is that here you have a Democrat proposing a tax cut, not the norm, but in an effort to show that they're trying to do something for the American pocketbook, this is the effort. On the other hand, Republicans who typically love to see tax cuts haven't expressed great sympathy for this because they view it more as a political ploy in an election year and not all that substantial a savings anyway, plus the cost of funding an important government function and building roads and bridges. The White House says that the deficit has already been cut by a historic $1.6 trillion this year, so the president believes that we can afford to suspend the gas tax to help consumers. It's only $10 billion in that $1.6 trillion, they would say. There was no explanation of where those other revenues would come from, and some Democratic members of Congress have already said that they're not exactly on board with this. Senator Tom Carper, a Delaware Democrat, says he's glad the president is exploring ways to lower gas prices, but suspending the primary way we pay for infrastructure projects on our roads is a short-sighted and inefficient way to provide relief. Currently, the price of a gallon of gas is around $5 across the country, up from $3 a year ago, ever so slightly down over the last couple of days. But with 
the war in Ukraine, COVID-induced supply chain issues, and a volatile stock market, nobody's quite sure exactly what's going to happen with the price of gas going forward. That plus, even if the president cuts off the 18 cents, there's no guarantee that the end user will see it because gas companies could decide whatever they want to do with that savings. Perhaps they pass it directly on, perhaps they don't. It's the end of June. That means that it is the end of the Supreme Court of the United States' session, and we are waiting for all the big rulings, but we did get one today. In the case of New York State Rifle and Pistol Association against Superintendent of New York State Police, the plaintiffs won. The 6-3 decision struck down New York's very restrictive law about who's allowed to carry a concealed weapon outside the home for self-defense. Basically, the way New York had it set up is you couldn't just say you wanted to protect yourself. You had to show a special need, like, for example, a history of threats or of some kind of domestic violence or some kind of cause above and beyond just the generalized interest in protecting yourself. As a consequence, many people in New York who wanted to carry a weapon for self-defense were denied that right because they couldn't show a special need. And there are some particulars in the case, but that's the brunt of it. The plaintiffs who own a gun and rifle club say they applied for unrestricted licenses to carry a handgun in public just for generalized self-interest purposes, and they were denied because they didn't have the proper cause requirement. They say that when the Constitution says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, the and bear part implies that the ordinary citizen has a presumptive right to carry a concealed or open weapon, but to carry in some sense without having to get special state permission for that purpose. And the Supreme Court agreed. In a decision that surprised exactly no one who pays attention to the Supreme Court, the six justices who traditionally are called conservative, although they object to that label, sided with the plaintiffs and the three justices who traditionally are described as liberal, although they don't like that label, voted against it and said that this is a sensible regulation of the state of New York, as well as similar regulations in the states of California, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, and New Jersey also have. In writing the majority opinion, Justice Clarence Thomas said, We hold that when the Second Amendment's plain text covers an individual's conduct, the Constitution presumptively protects that conduct. To justify its regulation, the government may not simply posit that the regulation promotes an important interest. Rather, the government must demonstrate that the regulation is consistent with this nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. In a concurring opinion, Justice Alito said, All that we decide in this case is that the Second Amendment protects the right of law-abiding people to carry a gun outside the home for self-defense, and that the Sullivan Law, which makes this virtually impossible for most New Yorkers, is unconstitutional. Alito also stressed that this decides nothing about who may lawfully possess a firearm or the requirements that must be met to buy a gun, nor does it decide anything about the kind of weapons that people may possess. On the dissenting side, Justices Sotomayor, Kagan, and an opinion written by Justice Breyer said that the New York legislature originally adopted a reasonable licensing law for citizens to conceal carry firearms that kept people safe, and argued that this one decision for all the states short-circuited the democratic processes that could be used to regulate guns at an individual state level in the best interest of the safety of their citizens. For his part, President Biden issued a statement saying that more than a century later, the United States Supreme Court has chosen to strike down New York's long-established authority to protect its citizens. This ruling contradicts both common sense and the Constitution and should deeply trouble us all. One question is to what degree this will also affect the laws in the other states that do not have the same level of restriction, but do use some kind of licensing scheme for concealed carry, such as requiring training or doing a background check against mental health records or fingerprinting. And in a concurring opinion authored by Chief Justice Roberts and agreed to by Justice Kavanaugh, they were quick to affirm that this does nothing to those schemes. Reasonable, broad-based, general restrictions on who may get a concealed carry permit are not struck down, 
precisely because they're relatively easy to satisfy for the ordinary citizen. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And finally, in the oh man, cool stuff's about to happen in the sky file. If you're not an early riser, you might still want to set your alarm for tomorrow morning, 45 minutes before sunrise, probably around 4.30 to 5 o'clock, somewhere in that vicinity. Because at that moment, you will be able to see at least five, possibly six planets, and they will be all in a line arranged in the sky based on the same order as their orbit around the sun from left to right. If you're looking east, southeast, up into the sky, you'll see Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Now, Uranus might be visible. It might not be visible because the moon is going to be right in the middle there between Venus and Mars, sort of representing the Earth by proxy. And Uranus is going to be right next to the moon. And so it might be very hard to see against the brightness of the moon. Yeah, yes, I know the expression's funny. Let's move on. But this is all with the naked eye, and I will tell you this morning, a day beforehand, I could easily see at least two of them, and they were in line with the moon. It was very cool. So trust me, tomorrow morning, you're going to want to take a look at this. The last time we had a lineup like this was in 2004, and they were visible in the evening sky rather than in the morning. A celestial event like this is called a conjunction. That's any time there are two or three planets close together in the sky. That's relatively common. Five or six is very uncommon. And you're going to be best off if you can get an unobstructed view of the horizon like a lake or a field or a hilltop. And again, you want to go out when it's still dark just before dawn. Now, the good news is the best event is going to be tomorrow morning. But a similarly cool event is going to be happening sort of throughout the rest of the month. And so if you can't get up tomorrow or if you've got another event or you oversleep, try it again on Saturday. Try it again on Sunday. It's still going to be worth the look. And as I like to tell my kids... The universe is cool, man. Take a look once in a while. Or as Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago, once said, Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to the digital or print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. Hit the five-star review, or maybe we should call it the five-planet review, before you go. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to The Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.